Hi, uh, welcome to the start of our new uh, summer series, uh, the Summer of Soul Care. Uh, for most of this summer, we're going to be spending time talking about different spiritual practices that help sustain and nourish our life with Jesus. Um, so this teaching this morning, or whenever you're watching this, has two parts. Uh, the first is an explanation of why we make a habit of spiritual practices. And then the second is a brief introduction into the spiritual practice of Sabbath keeping. Uh, and so first, just want to start with a word about spiritual practice or spiritual discipline. Um, they're interchangeable words, right? It, they mean the same thing, whether you pick up a book like this one, the, uh, there you go, Spiritual Classic uh, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, or maybe it's something more like this, uh, Practicing Faith by Dorothy Bass. Um, they're just different ways of saying the same thing. The, the word discipline comes from the word disciple uh, or student. And so when we discipline our child, the goal is not punishment for bad action, but it is teaching and correcting so that our children will have better attitudes or work skills or, or whatever it is that you're trying to teach your child. Uh, unfortunately, the definition of being a student isn't what usually comes to mind when we use that word, at least not for me. So then the word like spiritual discipline, I think of rigidity, uh, punishment, struggle. Uh, and so I just prefer to talk about spiritual practice, right? It just sounds better to me. But it's the same thing. Um, now, when we're going to talk about spiritual practices, there's, there's a really important uh, piece that we need to really hold on to and understand, right? And that's because whenever we talk about spiritual practices, it can really quickly lead into a legalism or a performance anxiety. And so Dorothy Bass writes, um, there is something in our human nature that looks at a list of good things and sees only a catalog of demands. You should, you must follow the rules. Multiple oughts weigh so heavily on us that we forget to notice and lean on the freeing power of the Holy Spirit. To practice our faith is not a matter of trying very, very hard until we finally learn to keep things under control. So this uh, leads me just to talk about a couple of things. What are spiritual practices? Or, or maybe even a better way to talk about it is what are not spiritual practices? And so the, the first thing we want to say is that spiritual practices do not make God love you any more than you already are. You are a precious, beloved child of God. This is your identity. This is how God feels towards you. Uh, I, I cannot love my children more than I do, and God cannot love you any more than he already does. God does not love you more if you spend an hour in prayer every morning before you do anything else, or if you just pray in that 15-second gap you have when you're in the bathroom and the door's locked before your kids come and knock on the door for the 300th time. You do not earn God's love by doing spiritual practices. You cannot possibly make God love you any less. What spiritual practices do do then, though, is they make us more attentive and receptive to the love of God that is already encircling and embracing you. Secondly, then, spiritual practices are not easy. Uh, part of the reason for that is that spiritual practices are going to form and transform the person that you are. They are character shaping. So one book on spiritual practices I was reading says, hey, look, if you're giving birth to a child, you can receive an epidural to ease the pain of childbirth, right? But there is no epidural shot to ease the pain of giving birth to character. 
I remember I read this book once on fasting and it was just incredible. I thought, this is amazing. I'm going to start doing this regularly. Uh, I'm going to start fasting twice a week. And, and so on my first day, I wake up. I'm like, this is the day I've set aside for fasting. I'm getting ready. Uh, thinking about how amazing a spiritual experience it's going to be. Uh, and I just like how spiritual I'm going to become and all the things God's going to say to me as I fast. And then this reality comes crashing down on me as I, I realize that I just really, really hate fasting. Like all day I am grumpy, I am angry, I am frustrated, I'm just really, really hungry. Uh, and sometimes when we engage in a spiritual practice, uh, we will be confronted with the dark reality of what we are really like. Uh, spiritual practices are God's tool of showing us how much we need Jesus. But then spiritual practices are still actions within our power that, that help us narrow the gap. They, they help us become people who are waiting. They can, with the work of the Spirit, transform us to become more like Jesus. And finally then, spiritual practices do not guarantee that you and I are going to have amazing experiences of God's presence. Uh, God is not a vending machine who gives you these great visions and dreams uh, for every four fasts and six Sabbaths kept, right? However, what spiritual practices do do is they are ways of becoming awake and staying awake to God. Spiritual practices are about training ourselves to have eyes that see and ears that hear what God is doing all around us, to, to see God's grand invitation to enter into his story and to participate with him and experience his presence in and around us. Uh, without these practices, what often happens is that we just fall asleep to the presence of God. God, the, the clutter of our lives, the, the pressure of the now, the, they force God out little by little until eventually we cannot see or hear God. So then where do these spiritual practices come from? Well, a lot of these practices find their way all the way through the Hebrew roots of Christianity. For example, I was just reflecting a little bit on the life of Daniel. Uh, Daniel 5 verses 14, we read that the people around Daniel have noticed his wisdom and that the Spirit of God is on him in a powerful way. Uh, how did he do it? Well, we know from Daniel 6.10 that Daniel kept the ritual three times a day of Jewish prayer. Three times a day, he set aside time and he stopped and he prayed. Uh, Daniel 9 verse 21, we learned that Daniel, after a lifetime of living in exile, still kept time by the Jewish religious clock. Like Daniel was a man who was formed by regular spiritual practices. I think of Paul. He had maybe some of these same practices in mind in the New Testament when he wrote to his young disciple Timothy. He wrote, train yourselves for a holy life. While physical training has some value, training in holy living is useful for everything. It has promise for this life now and the life to come. Uh, Ephesians 4.20 is great in the message. It says, but that's no life for you. You learned Christ. There is an element of the Christian life in which we must learn Christ, with Christ as our teacher. Jesus is a language or a skill, an art that has to be practiced. We learn the way of Jesus. We go step by step practicing just like an athlete, right? If you try to run a marathon without any training, you, you will not succeed. If you try to lift really heavy weights, you can't do it. But if you start running and then walking and running, running, walking, and you start lifting lighter weights and you work your way up, eventually you can come to this place where you can do something that you never thought you could do before. The, the one who dreams of playing Mozart 
Mozart on the violin can't just pick up a violin and do it, but with finger exercises, warm-ups, uh, bowing drills, eventually you can learn to play Mozart on the violin. The, the one who wants to be patient, uh, kind, forgiving, courageous, just, joyful, joyful, peaceful, resilient, can, can never do it. The, the harder she tries, the more frustrated she will become, but the one who trains and exercises herself becomes what she was incapable of being before. And so this is what we want to talk about for the next few weeks. Hopefully this will inspire you to start exercising and practicing these spiritual practices, just like watching Brittany Runs a Marathon inspired me to start running. Yeah, except that didn't work. Bad illustration. Um, cut. Try again. You know what I'm saying, right? The first spiritual practice that we want to talk about then is, is Sabbath keeping. Uh, one of the reasons I want to start here is because in his book, it's just excellent, Ken, Ken Shigematsu uh, has this excellent book called God in My Everything. Uh, I highly recommend it. And, and in that book, he has this picture that I want to show you. And you'll see here that he's talking about building, building a trellis for your life, the uh, support to help you live a life abundantly. Um, and so you'll see a number of practices that help us relate, restore, and reach out. And these practices then form this trellis. But you'll see that the roots are Sabbath, prayer, and sacred reading. And so we want to look at these three roots as the foundation for all other spiritual practices. So let's start then with Sabbath. What is Sabbath? Why are we using that word, right? So literally, uh, it is an anglicized version of a Hebrew word, which means to cease or stop. Uh, so Sabbath is about stopping your work. Uh, a bit longer working definition we can use comes from the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook says, Sabbath is God's gift of repetitive and regular rest. It is given for our delight and communion with God, time for being in the midst of a life of doing, particularly characterizes the Sabbath. So Sabbath is a one day a week pause from all of your works and musts and shoulds and oughts, and it is a day of rest and communion with God. So let's get a few things out of the way, uh, because I understand that there's complexity when we start talking about Sabbath. Uh, my friend Dan owns a newspaper, or actually a couple of them, and, and Dan's business depends on meeting weekly deadlines. If the paper is not put to bed by a certain time each week, the paper does not go out. If the paper doesn't go out, it's catastrophe to the small business he is running. And so he lives with this constant pressure of deadlines that every week he has to get these things done. Some of you are like that are listening are like Dan. Like you own a business. You deal with deadlines and pressures and things that I don't have. I, I understand that. And you might hear me say something and your action will be like, well, Nathan, you don't understand what I have to do. Okay, okay, I hear that. I'm making a note of your objection. Uh, please hear me now. Sabbath is not optional. Sabbath is a direct command from God. You must stop your work. Uh, as I look through these other spiritual practices, I don't think that anything else stands even in the league of, of Sabbath in the scripture. Uh, they don't come with the same requirement from God, like prayer, fasting, scripture reading. Like they're all important. They're good. But I can't think of any place in the Bible that says you must pray three times a day. You must fast twice a week. Like those are things that Jewish people and the early Christians have done and they do for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. They're helpful. They're, they're important. But they are not commanded. But the Sabbath is in the Ten Commandments, right? Remember the Sabbath day, keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. 
Well, that's first covenant, you said. Well, then consider Hebrews 4. It says, therefore, since the promise that we can enter into rest is still open, let's be careful so that none of you will appear to miss it. Verse 9, then, so you see that a Sabbath rest is left open for God's people. The one who entered God's rest also rested from his works, just as God rested from his own. Therefore, let's make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience. It's a fascinating scripture, but, but hear this, the Sabbath is built into the very fabric of who we are meant to be. Like God creates the world in six days, stops and rests from his work on the seventh day. And so Dorothy Bass writes, in both work and rest, human beings are the image of God. Um, do you want to be more like God? Is your heart going to be shaped by the Spirit of Jesus? Like, God both works and rests. You are created to work and rest. You do not become like God by working seven days a week. You actually work against who you were created to be. So let's put the cards on the table, right? There is never a good time for Sabbath. During this whole COVID, I found that I've been really bad at keeping Sabbath. There is always work to be done. Uh, my productivity at home with four kids is not great, and I feel like I have to make up for that by working all the time. There is always work to be done, always another email to write, a text to respond to, a phone call to make. And so Wayne Mueller, he just writes, Sabbath is not dependent upon our readiness to stop. We do not stop when we are finished. We do not stop when we complete our phone calls, finish our project, get through the stack of messages, or get out this report that is due tomorrow. We stop because it is time to stop. Uh, Matthew 11, 30 is the invitation from Jesus. Come to me, all of you who are struggling hard, carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me. I am gentle and humble, and you will find rest for yourselves. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. Jesus is inviting you to come and rest. Part of the yoke of Jesus is that there is a designed one day out of seven to take a Sabbath, to stop, to rest. And if you are too busy for an invitation of Jesus, then you need to know this. It's not an invitation, it's a command, right? For the love of God, stop. And I mean that literally. Uh, Ken Shigematsu writes, in keeping Sabbath, we express our love for God, trusting that he will provide for us even when we are resting. Uh, God is inviting you to honor his design for your life by living in sync with the gift of the Sabbath. We are called to regularly pause from our ambitions, our activities, to create space to experience Christ. We are called to stop complaining about the busyness of our life and actually do something to step out of that pattern of life. So this is a series that is supposed to be practical, a series about how to build these practices into our life to shape us, transform us, to sustain us, to restore our souls, to, to make us weighty people of character. So, so how do we do this? And, and we've already recognized that there's a complexity here, right? We have family who are farmers who during harvest, uh, if the weather's good, they run their compines all the way through and they figure Sabbath will be when the rain comes and we can't work. Growing up, my best friend's family would harvest until midnight on Saturday midnight, and then they would start up their combines again at 12.01 a.m. on Monday, but they would always stop for 24 hours on Sunday. Sometimes it was to the minute, 24 hours, right? 
Uh, I have another friend of mine who farms. He said, hey, we have to trust God for the crops to grow and the rain to come so we can trust God to get our harvest in as well. Well, who's right? Like, there's a complexity here. Uh, I understand both sides of, of their... Uh, they all are Christians. They all want to honor God with their work and their rest. So what I don't want to do here is just write a bunch of new rules to follow. Okay, Jesus taught us that Sabbath is for us and not the other way around. Um, there have been times in the church with a really strict legalism around what is and isn't allowed on Sabbath. Uh, the Jewish people have had similar struggles around what is allowed, what isn't allowed. What I want to do is just give you, uh, I think, four principles that will just help you work with your family and decide what is the best way for you to honor God through keeping the Sabbath. So generally, we're just going to agree that Sabbath means not working. Uh, but here are a couple other ideas. First one, uh, start your Sabbath the night before. Uh, so Eugene Peterson's pointed out that in the Hebrew concept of time, the day starts in the evening, not the morning. You start your Sabbath with sleep and rest before the day begins. And while we rest, we discover that God keeps working. When we wake up in the morning, there's dew on the grass. God has been at work. Um, and we, we then also begin to enter into Sabbath or work from a place of rest instead of needing to rest from work. As you start to think about your Sabbath practice or building on the Sabbath practice that you already have, uh, just an encouragement to start the night before. Uh, light a candle, pray as a family, enter into rest this way. Number two, uh, Sabbath means doing something different th from your job. So for me, I was thinking, so this means like, uh, Sabbath is not a good day to work on the class that I'm going to be teaching at Horizon because prepping to teach that is way too similar to prepping to teach here right now. Uh, it means that a mechanic shouldn't be using their Sabbath to fix all their own cars. The carpenter is not using Sabbath to build their fence. A student should not be doing homework or studying for exams. Uh, if you're retired, it should be a different kind of day than, than what you normally do. You need to stop from your regular and set apart a day for Sabbath. Um, so we, we work hard six days a week. And one day a week, we, we trust God. We stop our work. For me in seminary, I remember this being a really intentional practice was that on Saturday, I would stop working. Nikki and I would spend the day. And Sunday at six o'clock, I could start uh, doing my homework again and studying for whatever I had put off and forgotten for Monday morning. But I always took a 24-hour break in that time, and I felt like God really honored that with us. And it was also really life-giving and prevented burnout, and, all, and it was a great time for our marriage as well. And so um, work hard six days a week, and then trust God with the seventh. An illustration of some questions, I, I just found this really fascinating. So Ken Shigematsu writes in his book, he, he's meeting with Dallas Willard, who's just sort of considered an expert in uh, spiritual formation and those sorts of things. And he asks Dallas Willard, he says, can I go mountain biking on the Sabbath? And Dallas Willard says, well, do you bike because you feel like you need to stay in good condition? And, and Ken says, no, I, I run most days to stay in shape. And Dallas Willard says, so are you training for a race? Uh, and Ken says, no, I just ride recreationally. I just love to do it. And Dallas says, well, then I think it is fine for you to ride on the Sabbath. But what this story revealed to me as I was reflecting on it is this, I'm not intentional enough as I think about how to Sabbath. Like, I know there are things that give me life and I enjoy. There are things that are work. But as I hear that story, as I hear God's command to take a Sabbath rest, I, I realize that I need to stop. I need to think more about what I'm doing and the reasons behind why I do it. 
And so stop your work. Stop the work related to your work. Trust God. Honor the Sabbath. Ask questions about your activity and your on Sabbath, as well as your motivation for why you're doing it. Um, are you doing this because you should do it? Well, then you probably shouldn't. Uh, that's why I think FASPA and the Mennonite traditions like, great, supper of buns, meat, it's good because it relieves the need for someone to cook on the Sunday evening meal. So again, we're not trying to make a new legalism. It's it's not. We want to ask questions, though, that are going to root around in our tendency not to rest, to not trust God, to keep working and be busy and to never recreate. So if you're married, uh, you're going to have to talk about how this relates to your relationship and who does what on the Sabbath. If you have kids, you're going to have to wrestle through who's feeding, who's doing diapers, uh, these realities of having kids on this day. Uh, But I want to stress this again, like this is what God has designed for you. Don't let this is what we've always done keep you from accepting the rest of God. Do not dishonor God with your disobedience to do what he has told you is best for your life. So sit down. Figure it out. Make your own Sabbath-keeping best practices. Build rules that can bend to help your family rest. Uh, Number three, just as much as you're able, try not to buy things on the Sabbath. The the reason is that buying stuff is so intertwined with our work. Uh, There is a value in ceasing of all these kinds of activities when we focus on being content with what we have. Ken Shigematsu writes in his book, He says, without being legalistic, I would suggest that we do away with grocery shopping on our Sabbath and minimize our buying in general on that day so that we can savor the gifts we cannot buy. The priceless gifts of God, his son Jesus, our friends, family, and creation. Uh, Fourthly, and the last thing I want to say is just simply that rest is not enough. The the point of Sabbath is not just our relaxation or our rest. Those are integral parts of to it, but leisure alone does not bring us the rest that we need. We are truly living Sabbath when we gather with God's people, we pray, we worship, we sing, we listen to the story of Scripture. Sabbath is not supposed to be orientated around us and our family, but is a response to the grand invitation of God to enter His rest and His family. We are oriented around Jesus and we respond. And so worship becomes central to Sabbath keeping because worship is what quiets the restless inner voice of self-condemnation and renews our vision of God's love. So there's much more we could say about this. Um, These are just kind of uh, an introduction for further reading uh, for your own life. I would say just pick up this book by Ken Shigematsu that I've referenced, uh, God in My Everything. The other one you could check out is The Rest of God by Mark Buchanan, uh, which is an excellent book on Sabbath and rest as well. Uh, you can check those out. To wrap it up, though, uh, I just have a couple questions, and then you can also find these in the description of the video below. Uh, I'm also, if you're part of Northside, emailing you a PDF with information, uh, and you have homework now. Your homework is to plan a 24-hour Sabbath that you will take before next week when we gather. Take time to consider the things that nourish you. Uh, Worship, music, nap, lovemaking, walking, reading, playing with your kids, that extra cup of coffee in the morning uh, or in the afternoon, if you like that. Uh, Before your Sabbath, um, get together with everyone that you need to to make a plan and arrange how you are going to do this. Like who's making the food? Who's doing the cleanup? Do you need to prepare all your meals the day before so that no one has to cook? And and then we just want to see how does God meet you when you are being intentional about your Sabbath keeping? And then when we come together next week on Tuesday, I hope that you'll have had a chance to just practice this intentional Sabbath and we'll be asking how it went and how it was different than other Sabbaths that you've had. 
just a, a few questions for you to consider, think about, uh, make notes of, and, and just uh, wrestle through. Uh, why is it difficult to take a weekly Sabbath? What necessary things will you relinquish on your day of rest? What would choosing life look like for you on the Sabbath? What difficulties or compulsions make it hard for you to stop? How does taking a Sabbath enhance your enjoyment and worship of God? What makes a Sabbath day nourishing and replenishing to you? Uh, what happens to you when you go without regular rhythms that allow you to rest in God? And so uh, just take time, reflect on those, journal, think uh, through, and we look forward to uh, meeting with you and talking about this in person, turning this into a conversation, as one pastor likes to always say. Uh, grace and peace to you all, and we will see you soon.